Welcome to the Bruins Brothers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 27, Just Win Baby, with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and ECHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore Rink, and download the Inside the Rink app. Smitty has some information about how to sign up for ESPN+. Plus. Sure, you can watch the Bruins on ESPN+, Plus by signing up on the Inside the Rink website. Go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN and sign up today. I have ESPN+. Plus. I love it. You get all the out-of-market NHL games. You get all kinds of college sports and much, much more. So sign up for ESPN+, Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. And you are a little bit richer after this uh, UConn situation. Yes, I am. Oops. <laughs> yes, I am. I used the uh, I used the DraftKings sports book and uh, I put a futures wager down mm-hmm. on that uh, just before the tournament started and got a nice uh, you know little plus two thousand there. A little small wager, nothing big, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, a nice little chunk of change for the for the fellas. You know? Oh, good. Good, you know, good for you. Sure. Good for you. It was a good, uh, yeah, good win for UConn, who pretty much blew through the tournament. They did, so and, was and, it was, and it was great to see for me, being a former uh, Husky for, mm-hmm. for, for a while. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to many more championships. And, uh, you know, they, they are blue, bleed blue, and uh, mm-hmm. they can be considered a blue bud now, I would say. Uh, seeing that they have all, all the same, you know, and since they, uh, raised the field to 64 teams, UConn has five championships, uh, tied with Duke for the most, for Uh, the most. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if they're not a blue blood, I don't know who is. I think it's what five and 24 years or something. Five and 24 years. Uh, basically the same as Duke, uh, Duke's championship run started eight years earlier so if they're a blue blood then UConn certainly has to be because eight years really isn't much of a difference right right (laughs) right and you know what next year they could win again because they have a top recruiting class and all sorts of so all sorts of stuff going yeah I'm excited about the future for for the Huskies no doubt about it and we are excited about the future for your Boston Bruins yes we are Yes, we are. As they uh, have a weekend review that was another uh, sweep of the games in a March 30 versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was a two to one win in overtime. It was a physical game. Columbus took some liberties, uh, got a little chippy. I thought Columbus actually played pretty well in this game, considering a team that is in the Bedard Tank of Blues, the sweepstakes. Yeah. Um, but Patrice Bergeron takes a cross, uh, cross check right in the face and head. Uh, Brandon Carlo gets boarded with. With no call. There were three fights in the game, 50 penalty minutes, 54 hits between the two teams. Columbus scores first on a nice passing play. Jakob Lauko fights Sweezy, trying to jumpstart the Bruins, and the Bruins start to find their game afterwards. It was Frederick who seeks justice for the Bergeron hit and gets a one-punch knockout on Peterson, hit him flush right in the chin yep. uh, with a huge right hand. Uh, Brandon Carlo gets hit from behind by Boone Jenner. He takes exception and fights Jenner. You don't see that much from Carlo, but it was good to see him stand up for himself. The game goes to overtime where the Bruins still uh, skills just take over the game. World-class pass uh, between the defender skates and stick to send pasta in, in alone. And he makes no mistake about it. Great pass from Lindholm for forehand, backhand shelf ball game. Pasta's 53rd at the time on the season. The 
Bruins set the franchise record for wins with 58 in that game and clinched the president's trophy. We'll have home ice throughout the playoffs. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good win. A pretty good win uh, against, you know, a Columbus team that wanted to uh, show their physicality and, and uh, you know, try to bully the Bruins again at, at home. Uh, and then it didn't really work out for them. Uh, the Bruins, you know, held their own and, and uh, were able to, you know, fight back some of the challenges from some of the Columbus players and some of the hits and so forth, and then uh, find a way to win it at the end. Um, like you said, world-class pass from from Lindholm to send Pasternak in with speed, and, and he makes no mistake because 53 goal scorers don't grow in trees. And, uh, you know, when he when he comes in like that, you know, he's going to go for him backhand shelf and, and tuck that one home, and, and it'll be nice to see that for many more years to come. Yeah, good old pasta turnover with another goal <laughs> on the uh, season. Uh, April 1st, April Fools. No fools in this one as the uh, Bruins win in Pittsburgh 4-3. to three. Playoff feel. Pittsburgh absolutely desperate to win as they are in jeopardy of not making the playoffs at all. Bergeron resting for the weekend. But the Bruins play well and carry the play in the first. Charlie McAvoy scores on the power play goal on a great feed from from Zaka as he's falling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Penguins tied on a rust goal. Uh, a great pass from Sid Crosby on that play as well. And it was David Pasternak with a beautiful tip of an Orlov backhander that was going wide, tips it home to make mm-hmm. it 2-1. to one. Rust again to tie it. Uh, and then Pasternak with a ridiculous shot to make it 3-2 to two and a one-timer from the right side. After the Pens tie it again, it's Krejci to Pasta for another one-timer with two and a half to go, an electric call from Sean, uh, uh, from, Sean McDonough. Uh, Sean McDonough. Yep. Uh, and Pasternak with the hat trick. The Bruins get a huge win over, over, over a desperate team who was playing at home. Really tough loss for Pittsburgh now, who's currently outside looking in. Yeah, I, I mean, it, Pasternak just... I mean, that's why he's world class is like all he needs is, is a is a minute is a second to get that one timer off. And, you know, Jerry had no choice, uh, no chance on on those shots, just um, beat with just pure skill and, and great passing. So, uh, yeah, a real nice win on the road against a desperate Pittsburgh team, uh, you know, without your captain. So, uh, you know, the Bruins just just finding ways to win, baby. Just, just win, baby. Finding ways to get it done without the uh, full complement of players. And, and uh, you know, it bodes pretty well for, um, well, not pretty well, but um, you get a little glimpse of maybe what life would be like without Bergeron and, and Pavel Zaka, you know, sliding into uh, a top six center role there and, and really holding his own and, and playing really well. Uh, so that's a, a nice sign of, of maybe what's going to come down the road. Sure. And then on April the 2nd, at St. Louis, a 4-3 to three win in the shootout. The Bruins score early. Jake DeBrusque is 25th of the season. That's the third 25-goal season for Jake. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi makes it 2 to nothing on a great feed from Pasternak at the goal mouth. A, a really nice play. The Bruins make it 3 nothing a few seconds later on a goal by Oscar Steen. Nice to see Steen get on the board. The 26th unique goal scorer of the season for the Bruins. Uh, the Blues get one with 8.2 left in the second from Kairou, who 
who's had a great year, 35th at the time. Blues tie the game as the Bruins fall fast asleep in this one. Uh, and the Blues give them credit. They're out of it, but they, they keep going. And Kairou scores again. is 36th of the season to tie it. The Bruins score in overtime, but Review had the playoff size, and it was offsides, passed mm-hmm. in early. Mm-hmm. Charlie Coyle wins it in the shootout. He's actually been terrific on the shootout, probably their best shootout guy. Yeah, uh, and they're fortunate to win the 60th win, third team ever to win 60, um, and uh, just as you said, to just keep kind of kind of rolling through, even when they're not playing well, even when they when they look bored against lesser teams or out of it, they're still able to win these games. Yeah, I I think that's um, one of the things that's really great about this Bruins team is they can win in uh, all different ways. They can win when they don't have their A game. They can win in a shootout. They can win in a close game. Uh, they can win coming from behind. They can win with the lead. They can win in a physical game. They they really have all uh they can play kind of any style that they need to play and still uh find a way to win you know down down a few guys you know um whichever goalies in there there's they really just they don't really have a weakness except maybe the power play and even that's starting to to turn around here a little bit um but they can play any way that they need to play and still find ways to win those games and and that's a sign of a really really good team yeah, it sure is, and it's a great segue into Seven Chirps, sponsored by Lobster Brewing. Lobster Brewing and Tasting Room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. Use the coupon code SPORTS. To get 10% off your online order, go to lobsterbrewing.com. Follow them on social media at Brewing And chirp number one, the Michael Felger idea of taking Pasternak off the power play has now turned into people saying he's overrated and shouldn't be out there when the opposing net is empty. There's the craziness. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really understand it. I don't really understand it at all. Ty Anderson put some stats up uh, about that when Pasta was was out there, um, you know, with the with the opposing net empty, and he's like, you know. Six, he has six empty net goals. He has like three blocks, which is second or third most among forwards with the net empty. He has like no defensive zone turnovers in that situation. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on, you know, Poss is just a turnover machine and he can't do anything else besides score goals. Uh, that's that's really uh, very far from the truth. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't just have, you know, 56 goals and 57 points. Obviously he can pass the puck. Uh, he's dynamic, um, with the puck in his, on his stick. And because he has it so much, he, he does have a tendency to turn it over, but it's because he has the puck so much and you want your creative guys, uh, who can score goals and make plays to have the puck. So, um, you know, it, and it's like that for the rest of the league, you know, Leon Dreisaitl's at the top of the league in turnovers. Malkin's at the top of the league. You know, Connor McDavid's in the top 20. There's a bunch of guys, and it's all the guys that you would think are the best players in the league. Those are the guys who turn it over the most because they have it the most. Right, and Malkin's tied with Pasternak. Dreisaitl has 30 power play goals. You're going to take him off the power play because of his turnovers? Yeah, he's I mean. The, he's like third in giveaways right. in the league. I mean, it's a who's who of, of stars in the league who have the turnovers. Because, And here's another thing. Pasternak, as we've talked about before, plays a little less than 20 minutes per game. By far the highest average ice time of any forward on this team. Yeah. So he's constantly out there. He played 716 against Nashville. 716 
of power play time in that game. Seven minutes of power play time in that game. So obviously, yeah, the, the guy who I would take off the power play at times is Marchand. He's the guy who turns it over all the time. He's a tr- he's the guy who's trying to get his buddy a goal. And in the empty netter, I would take him right off the ice because he tries to feed guys and turns it over at times, and it might come back to bite him. So, But Pasternak, yes, he turns it over. I think this myth of him – only being a goal scorer is just that. I mean, he's gotten himself to be a better defensive player than he was when he first came in the league. I mean, he's good enough to not hurt you. Is he the best defensive forward on the in the team or in the league? No, of course not. But he's much better. He plays much more physically than people will give him credit for because they have a narrative about him, and then they just kind of stick with him, but he's much more physically involved than he ever has been. Yeah. And he also is better defensively. Is he great? No, but he's adequate. Sure. Enough. Sure. He is. And he understands how to play in his own zone and so forth. So, um, I think that's some, some unfairness there. Uh, and I will say this again, and I honestly believe this David Krejci's had the same issues. He's not a Bruin type of player. And the fans want bangers and beat the guy up, and you know they'll they'll cheer for Sean Thornton and and give him more slack than a David Pasternak. It's just the way they are. And David Pasternak's not that guy who's going to beat guys up and throw his body at people and play this big bad Bruins thing. David Krejci's had the same. Tuka Rask had the same. His personality wasn't exactly, you know, run through a wall type personality. And Bruins fans just can't, some of them, just can't get 100% behind a guy like that. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that's it true. Pasternak. Sure. I, I think it does. Um, but it is crazy. It, I mean, the guy has the most power play goals on the team. He has like 18. Mm-hmm. You know, take him off the power play. He's the only reason he'd score sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, uh, all right. Uh, chirp number two, former NHL is Zach Ronaldo. Uh, he was uh, acquired for a third round pick back yeah. uh, in the day. Uh, joined first up this morning or a few mornings ago and gave us some insight into what makes the, the Bruins such an elite organization. His revelation was that the Bruins demanded 10% body fat or less all season. I, I have heard that they try to, they try to um, really – um, you know, have guys come in in great shape and their conditioning mm-hmm. tests and all that stuff are, are hard, are, are, are difficult to do and to pass and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that holds, you know, the, the guys on the team to, to a high standard. That's all well and good. Uh, I don't know if that's specifically the case really that it's, you know, you have to maintain it all season. I think it's just something that professional athletes do now, you know, they're not going to go out and eat Twinkies and, and, you know, pizza and all this stuff. They, they eat healthy. They take care of their bodies. They train, they do all this stuff. Uh, and the Bruins culture sets a, sets a standard that, you know, if you are on this team, if you're going to play on this team, this, these are the expectations you need to have, you know, very little body fat. You need to be, you know, lifting weights and, and conditioning and doing all the things to be at optimal performance when it's time for, to get on the ice and, and then you can recover better and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's, I, I don't think the 10% body fat though is the reason why the team is good. 
Like, you know, you, you need skill to go along with that. You need hockey sense. You need guys who know how to play. You need a good system. You need guys willing to buy in. You need all that stuff. So, I mean, maybe it it helps with buy-in. Everybody's 10% body fat. Everybody bought in. Great. Um, but yeah, that's not the reason they're winning games. No, I mean, listen, other than Pat Maroon and Phil Kessel, everybody's 10% or less anyway, probably in the league. I mean, that's, you know, and that's probably why Kessel didn't last very long. But but uh, it may also be a uh, maybe an indication of the type of change that Zazeno Chara brought when he came. Who, who knows? Because he has like 0.05 yeah. body fat. Uh, but look, you can't play hockey at this level with much more than 10%. So we're not talking 1% body fat. We're talking 10%. I mean, that's that's a decent athlete. You know, that's a... You know that's a pretty good athlete, and that's these guys are pros and they play hockey. And um, but interesting that Zach Ronaldo would would be on a program right now, <laughs> at all, and also that he would he would come up with that uh, fantastic stat. Uh, chirp number three: Any other Bruins players you'd like to see get a rest before the playoffs start? Um, yeah, I'd li- honestly I'd like to see Martian get a rest. I don't know if he will. I'd like to see him get a rest. I think uh, he could use it. I mean, they they have had a little bit of time off here uh, the last few days where they, they took like two complete days off without any practice or anything because they've been playing so many games in uh, in a row here in a, in a long stretch. So I wouldn't mind seeing Martian get some time. I wouldn't mind seeing Lindholm or McAvoy or Orlov. Some of those guys have played a lot of minutes. They're going to log a lot of minutes. So I wouldn't mind seeing uh, some of those guys get a little extra time. And then anybody that has any any bumps or bruises or anything like that, uh, give those guys give those guys a day. Like if Coyle's banged up a little bit or whatever, give them a day. Like he's he's gonna play an important role, you know. Come the come sure. the playoffs in the postseason, um, you know, grinding things down low uh, on that line. So, uh, you know, if those guys have any kind of uh, little minor injuries or bumps or bruises, you know, give them a day. Give let everybody be as as healthy as they can possibly be going into this run because you're hoping for a long run and it's a grind. So uh, any kind of help that you can give any of your, you know, your main guys, I would say uh, do it and, you know, bring up the Steens and the Locos and the Greers and, you know, uh, get those guys in and, and give them some time. Yeah. I, you know, I keep hearing this, you know, like today, David Krejci, um, and this goes on to chir- trip number four, David Krejci left practice early Wednesday, uh, still some discomfort. Um I, mean, I don't know how concerned I would be, but Jesus, why, why, why are we trying to get him back in the lineup? Right. I don't know if he's banged up, we just let just let him sit. Like, what, what is the rush to get him back in there? Yeah, there's there's no rush for me to get him back in. I, I, if he's banged up at all, I want to try to get him as close to 100 percent as possible. I mean, he's already not the fastest guy in the world, uh, and he's uh, an important part of what of what that line does. Uh, you know, he's a great passer. He he seems to raise his game in the playoffs. He's he's been fantastic uh, when the Bruins have had deep runs. So you need him. So yeah, like I was saying before, whatever you can do to get these guys as healthy as you possibly can, you need to do it and and if he needs to sit the last five games let him sit the last five uh and and get him as healthy as he can possibly be yeah i mean you've got at you've got flyers capitals montreal your last three games of the season uh there's 12 game 12 days until game until game one until the playoffs start so and you have five games in that stretch i don't feel the need 
to keep having, you know, to, to rush Krejci back or even put Hall in there if if you feel Hall. Maybe give him a game to get his legs, game or two. Yeah. Uh, maybe a game and a couple games off and another game. But, you know, rushing these guys back, I, I don't see – and especially a guy like Krejci. I mean, he just – I mean, Chris, he took he took a year playing in in against Goat Farmers, whatever Felger says. Like, yeah. you know, he's he he can sit out five games and then come in and play. He understands the game; he can play fine. So, I wouldn't rush him back, and you know, maybe give Debraska day because he had he was out four or five weeks with an injury at one point. So, I'm sure everybody's banged up. So let's let's start. Uh, because you're going to win, what do you got to get to 63 wins for the type for the record? I believe I mean, so. Yeah. I mean, great Flyers, Caps, Montreal. That might be the three, three right there. I mean, they're not very good. Um, all right, trip number five. Who is your ideal first round opponent? Who are the Who are the choices right now? It's between like the right Islanders, now it is, Pittsburgh, uh, and is the one wild card. And number two is Islanders. So it would be Islanders today. Pittsburgh is a point behind. And then Buffalo has a couple of games in hand, but they're like six points behind. I don't think it's going to happen. So you're looking at Florida, uh, Islanders, Penguins. I, 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 I don't know if I would want the Islanders just because they're so they're a heavy team. They play hard. The things are grind. They have really good goaltending that could get hot. So I'm leaning against them. I think I would rather see the Penguins, um, even though some of those games have been fairly close. Um, and, you know, obviously they have Crosby and, and so forth. But uh, the Bruins seem to match up fairly well with Pittsburgh uh, for the most part, I feel like. So, you know, of those options, I think I would probably rather see Pittsburgh than uh, the Islanders or uh, Florida. I would rather see Pittsburgh too. I don't think this is a, this is similar to the Islanders Bruins back a few years ago. I don't, I don't think so. Like I think the Bruins are pretty far and away better than all three of these teams. Yeah. So I'm not overly concerned. No, I, I definitely take Pittsburgh though, because I think Pittsburgh defensively kind of stinks. Their goaltending is up and down. Mm -hmm. I just don't think, you know, Sid Crosby only goes so far. They, they just aren't really that great, you know, to me. Um, in Florida, Evan Marinowski made a good point on Twitter that Matt Kachuk would be a great villain in that series. Um, and that would scare me like a, like a little bit, but I don't think any of the three. I just don't – I guess I'm with you. I don't want to see that grind of an Islanders series, get all pissed off, lose game one, two to one, yeah. stoned by the goaltender, you know, trapping people and just, you know, shitty hockey. I don't, I don't want to see that thing because that will drive me nuts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't want to see that. And I would rather have Matt Tuchuk be a villain against – you know, Carolina or New Jersey and just drive those guys crazy and maybe, maybe, maybe knock one of those teams out, sure. uh, whoever wins that division, whether, or maybe the rain, maybe it's the Rangers. I don't know. They're all pretty tight. I think now, right? Yeah. They're all tight in there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, be a villain, be a villain to one of those teams and, uh, and we'll see it down the line. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, chirp number six, Mason Lowry makes his AHL debut tonight uh, in a win for Providence. Does he make someone like Brandon Carlo or Matt Grizzlick expendable? Uh, not yet. Not yet. He doesn't, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think, and I don't want to see him in these playoffs 
unless no. there are catastrophic catastrophic yeah. injuries. No, they wouldn't blow a year at his, um, his thing. Yeah, so uh, unless it's dire straits, I don't want to yeah. see him in this playoffs. I want him no. to, uh, you know, have a nice playoff run with Providence. You know, mm-hmm. take it, win the win the damn thing, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. It's called the cup playoffs yeah, they, is that what it is could. It's called a cup and yeah, they uh, could win it yeah i mean they have a they have a really good team uh yeah. and i'd like to see him and and markalov and lysel and you know Letary and and toporovsky and those guys all get some experience uh brandon bussy and and so mm-hmm. forth uh kaiser so i want to see those guys gain some experience i want to see low rice start down there and then next year i want to play uh a fairly full season in Providence just to get acclimated to the, to the pro game. Uh, unless he's dominating down there, if he's dominating, then, then fine. Or if he right. wins a spot out of camp, fine. But you know, right. you know how those things go. Like, sure. um, you know, Jacobs of Worrell early on the preseason looked like, you know, Bobby oh, Orr out there. I mean, he was no, all he over did. the place. Oh, he looked terrific. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, then the real games come, and it's and it's a different. If it's a, it's a different animal. So yeah. So um, you know, uh, that's probably going to be the case for for Mason Lowry too. I mean, each step up, the game's a little bit faster. It's a little bit more physical. Yeah. The guys are a little bit better. Everything's a step. So like, college to AHL is a, a leap, and then preseason NHL is a leap, and then and, pre- and then regular season NHL is a leap. And then playoff NHL is is the ultimate. So he's got to get used to some of these other things uh, before he can uh, supplant Kylo or Grizzlick. He does. And, you know, it, the, the big thing is the 82-game schedule. I mean, Christ, you played you played four, what was it, 37, 40 games this year at Ohio yeah. State. And, you, and then you become a pro and it's 82 games plus playoffs. Like that's a big step. Plus, with all the other things you just said about physicality and speed and so forth, like mm-hmm. you only played a forty-game season in Ohio State. Like that's half the that's half the thing. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think he probably has to play a good, solid, full season next year. I still think they'll move on from from Grizzlick or someone like that just for cap reasons. Yeah, I think um, they will. I think they'll I think move. They uh, they'll move on from someone. They'll move on right. from a couple of D men. Uh, I think in order to possibly try to sign Orlov. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I think they will be making some, some moves on the defense uh, to f- try to free up some money there. I like your idea of having Orlov if he wants to on like a four-year deal. There's, there was talk I saw this week that he wanted six, yeah. I think, with Washington, and that's why they moved on. I wonder if he would be convinced to take like four, uh, with Boston, if you really thought that they would be continue to be contenders, you know, who, who knows? I don't know. Or maybe you would take six at a, at a lower, a lower AAV. Right. Yeah. Right. And that would be great for sure. them uh, too. Um, all right. And then chirp number seven, what is your ideal fourth line? A lot of candidates there. Ooh. Uh, that's really, really hard for me. I, I mean, Hathaway stays in. So Hathaway's there. Yeah. Um, I think I want, if he's healthy, and it doesn't sound like he might be uh, at the beginning of the playoffs. If he's healthy, I want Felino's experience and, and toughness in there uh, and knowing how to play. So I would want him, and then that leaves either Nosek or Frederick to me to be the fourth line center. And I th- and I think it's probably going to be Nosek. Uh, I I probably personally would pick Frederick just because I think he he gives you more things. 
but no Nosik is so valuable on uh, faceoffs, uh, mm-hmm. and in and in the playoffs in the postseason, you know, a lost faceoff in your own zone could be a mm-hmm. goal, could be a difference in a game or a series. So I, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really tough call for me. I would lean Frederick. Uh, I think just because I think of of all the things he offers, he's much more of a threat offensively than Nosek is. Uh, he's more physical, um, but it is the faceoffs and the defensive responsibility and stuff that that Nosek has that's uh, you know pretty uh, valuable. And I think if you do start Frederick at center, where he hasn't played a ton, no. Um, and he has the you know he doesn't he's not a great faceoff guy, so. It does take the pressure off Bergeron to have Nosek take defensive draws. It does because then Bergeron has to take more because you you can't throw Frederick out there. So right. now you've got you know Bergeron and Coyle, you know, sort of sharing that role. Mm-hmm. And I think if Nosek's out there, you can give Bergeron a little bit of a rest on a defensive draw here and there. Yeah. Well, you really can't do it with Frederick. So that's a big thing. I mean, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's Felino Nosek Hathaway. I think you have to play Hathaway. You got the guy at the deadline. You know, you, you traded something for him in, in Orlov. He, he, you got him for a specific role. Yeah, he's he built for the playoffs. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you've you got to play him. Um, and I don't know, like you said, if Felino is 100% healthy or will be. But if he is, I think that's, that's the group. And it's funny. You take Frederick out, who's had a career year. Um, but also, does his game fit the, the playoff thing? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, I'm quite sure it, of that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I think if Felino's not healthy, I mean, it's a given that it's Frederick, Frederick. Nosek, right. Hathaway, right. and your right. third line obviously is Hall, Coyle, and Bertuzzi. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that's how it'll shake out. And then the other question is, what do you do? You know, with with your defense. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've been pretty good on the PK with Forbot being out. You know, do you leave Grizzik in for some from uh, puck movement? And so forth. Uh, he's been pretty good with with McAvoy. I don't think you can have a third pair of Grizzly Clifton. I think they would get uh, exposed in their own end uh, down low, especially. Um, so I, I'm not sure what you do there. That's a that's another interesting, uh, you know, dilemma coming into uh, you know what are you going to do here uh, going into the playoffs? I think it was 90. percent They've been on penalty kills since Forbrook got hurt. Yeah. So. They've been really good, and that was one of the that was one of the issues. Was the last time he was out, mm-hmm. it really dipped, and now it, it seems to be staying. And of course, Olaf helps. Yeah, sure. You know, they have you know uh, they're a little bit deeper there on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook, Boston's hometown sportsbook, is live right here in Massachusetts. Bet local on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home with DraftKings. To celebrate, all new customers will receive up to $200 in bonus bets when you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook using code ITR. You can now bet local on money lines, spreads, props, and more with one of America's top-rated sportsbooks, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with code ITR to get up to $200 in bonus bets to use now that mobile sports betting is live in Massachusetts. That's code ITR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, call 800-327-5050 or visit help helplinema.org to speak with a trained specialist free and confidentially 24 7 21 plus physically present in mass 
Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Opt-in required. Bruins bonus issued as free bets. Terms at DraftKings.com slash MA. And now it is time for beauties and benders and the three beauties this week. Beauty number three, Matthew Poitras. They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Matt Poitras uh, had a sensational year in the OHL with the Guelph Storm, who is now currently in the playoffs. And he was nominated for the OHL Most Outstanding Player, among others. So uh, a 95-point season for Matty Poitras, who was a second-round pick of the Bruins in 2022. Yeah, the pick's looking pretty good. I think he was led the league in assists or something like that. He like did. one he of the 71 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, 70 something. Having a great, having a great year and, and hopefully he turns into their, you know, David Krejci down the road. That'd oh, be, sure. Without, be without a doubt. I mean, he's, he's uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he does. I think he was just shy. I think it was Jeff O'Neill who had the, the record for assists in the franchise. And I think he was just shy of it. Mm. Um, all right. Beauty number two. Hey, the main Mariners. Gonna love you. Eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Mariners and the Bruins have agreed to a two-year extension to keep the Maine Mariners in Portland. Maine's had a great year. They are going to the playoffs with Coach Terrence Wallen and goaltender Michael DiPietro. Uh, they are, uh, they've had a great year and uh, some really good attendance, too, as I was seeing uh, at uh, in Portland. As and, and Portland has always been good to their teams. Portland Pirates always, uh, you know, did well attendance-wise, and they've really gotten behind the main Mariners. And it does help to have the Bruins as the affiliate. Absolutely, sure. Yeah, so uh, it's great, great affiliate. You know, uh, playoff team. You know, all the Bruins affiliates doing well. Uh, you know, yeah. you get your, you know, main Mariners and the and the Providence Bruins both uh, making the playoffs. Yeah, good to see. Be exciting time. Yep. Uh, all right, beauty number one, Trent Frederick. They're gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. Now, Trent had the one punch knockout, protect, protecting Bergeron's honor as he knocked out uh, Peterson. Uh, two assists in his homecoming in St. Louis with his family there, which was nice to see, uh, and a career high in points with thirty and 16 goals on the season. Yeah, I had a really good year. He's had a really good year. He seems to be learning to um, kind of that code of, of uh, you know, protecting his guys and not taking dumb penalties and that kind of thing. It seems to, uh, he seems to kind of figure that out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, good for him. Um, you know, uh, career highs and, and hopefully, you know, those career highs continue to uh, go up. And a restricted free agent. Yes, I season. believe so. Yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see what that number will be and if the Bruins will uh, retain Frederick. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Uh, here's some guys that uh, people probably shouldn't retain, or <laughs> or would like to get rid of, or would like right. to get rid of. Uh, number three is our old buddy Tory Krug. Ah, the bender. Uh, Tory's having a tough time in St. Louis. Uh, he signed that big deal over there. Um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of Bruins fans here wanted to keep him. Such a great power play guy. You know, all the things had the big hit in the Stanley Cup finals after he got taken down in his own zone and all this. He's minus 28, folks. Uh, and he's not a good defender in his own zone. Uh, the Bruins power play seems to be doing okay without him. Uh, okay without him. Uh, not great, 
Uh, it was great and it's been great in stretches, uh, but not great. Went through a lull. Um, but honestly, folks, we don't miss Tory Krug at $7 million. Would you rather have Tory Krug or would you rather have Hampus Lindholm? Cause that's the money. I would rather have Hampus Lindholm. Wow. Yeah. hundred times over. Because he's actually making less than Tory Krug. That's incredible. So there you go. Uh, we'll say, we'll say Don Sweeney won that one too. Won't we? I think we will. I'll tell you right now. I said, I I think we both said when the time that happened, we were both like, okay, great. You know, get, go get your money. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. The Bruins did not extend him. And, and, and I said it at the time because if you extrapolate it out now, I didn't think he would turn into this this soon. <laughs> I thought he'd have, you know, three or four good years or whatever. But he's he's actually hitting a wall sooner than I thought he would. Yeah. And now he's, uh, you know, minus 28. And like you said, just not a great defender in his own end. And and look, the Bruins struggle the power play. There's, not, there's nothing out there that says that they would be much better with Tory Krug at the you know, in the power play right no. now. I mean, it just, they've always, they've had struggles here and there, even when he was here. So yeah. I don't, I don't miss him one iota and that's not the, no offense to Krug. I mean, fine. He did, he did well for being an undrafted player and an undersized player. But again, this is Bruins country where they love the little engine that could, that hits people and, you know, is tough and is, you know, is, um, you know, just trying, you know, just an undersized guy, the underdog, they love the whole thing, you know, smashing into Robert Thomas from a hundred miles away and all all that stuff. I mean, they love that. Yeah. So that's why they love, you know, that's why they love Tory crew. But look, this guy is a shell of him, of his former self. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him. Uh, great. Sure. You, you've made your money Very and, nice. and, yeah. and you should have, because you were an undrafted guy and you got to cash in when you can cash in sure. good for you. But I'm, I'm happy with the, the choices the Bruins made, uh, you know, with, with him. And then after that, yeah, and the Blues are not in great shape right no. now going forward. No, they're trying to. They've done. They were trying to get get out from under his contract. He's probably going to be a buyout candidate. Uh, you know, before it's too uh, too much of a you know a deterrent with the with the money, uh, the dead money. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, bender number two, Robin Leonard. Ah, the bender. Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Robin Leonard has been accused of fraud. By a major lender. <laughs> in his uh, ongoing bankruptcy case in December, Leonard filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, claiming $5.1 million of assets and $27.3 million in liabilities, according to Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic. Creditor Aaliyah Growth Fund uh, is requesting Leonard to pay back $4.75 million and is also accusing Leonard and his wife, Danya, of making materially false and misleading representations with their money. Oh, so well, yeah. So that's not yeah. particularly great. Uh, <laughs> no, he's had no. some. Uh, he's had some mental health things, and he was mm-hmm. kind of at the forefront of that, and and that was all well and good. Um, but uh, you shouldn't lie. Uh, nope. So you know, mental health. You know, good for you for taking care of all that stuff, uh, and taking care of yourself, and and getting the word out there for other people to take care of themselves. Sure. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, fraud and bankruptcy and and all that. You should steer clear of that stuff, probably. Yeah. <laughs> the fraud thing. <laughs> fraud, yeah. fraud yeah. probably steer clear of the fraud and defrauding yeah. people. Uh, <laughs> right. I would, I would recommend uh, that goaltenders <laughs> across the league uh, try to stay away <laughs> from defrauding people and yeah. uh, and 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 so forth. I'll tell you what, Butch Cassidy, he's, 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 he's had, wonders with that team. He's had to deal with some shit, huh? 
Butch. Oh my God, he's done, he's done wonders with that team, who's still like one of the top teams in the in the Western Conference with a goaltending catastrophe and Jack Eichel being in his doghouse and just uh, just a multitude of crap headed his way, and and they've been able to stay above water. So that's good for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, speaking of goaltenders, our number one bender is Jordan Bennington. I'm a bender. Because why not? He sucks. Nobody likes this guy. Uh, nobody around the league likes this guy. He's a three three nine goals against average and eight ninety one save percentage. Uh, that is not NHL caliber, folks. No, it just isn't. Bad. Just isn't. Uh, Marshan said on the TNT broadcast that Binningham makes him look like a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 if you don't and if you recall, Marshan was voted uh, the the guy that most people in the league uh, hate to face. Uh, and, and, uh, but would love to have on their team. So he's actually a good guy. I think right. Bennington is the, is a guy that people hate to face and don't want on their team at all. Sure. Right. Right. And I think it was, <laughs> it was, I think it was Hathaway who said that he found out that Marshan's actually a really great guy. <laughs> I think it was Hathaway or Bertuzzi. One of those two guys said that, you know, after all the, all the stuff against him, mm-hmm. um, He's actually a, a pretty pretty good guy. Uh, Bennington is not, and not well liked at all. And and putting up numbers that uh, Reed Dick uh, would uh, would put up uh, at uh, wherever the hell he is, uh, <laughs> Lake Superior uh, State or North Dakota A and T. I don't know the Western Hockey League at the uh, whatever the hell that is. But yeah, Bennington is terrible, and and it just makes you even more crazed. It does. About the really, really does. I'm like, just for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, of all the fucking guys to get hot oh, at Jesus, the wrong fucking time. This yeah. asshole, right? I know. This, this asshole. asshole. Right oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I think when, when we ever tweet about Bennington, we hashtag this asshole. I think you're right. I, I think, I, I think from now, <laughs> I think from now on, that's, that's what it has to be. And if we ever, if we ever see him in person, yeah. he's probably going to want to fight us. Probably. Good. Yeah. Let's have him right on the program. <laughs> uh, be great for YouTube. Yeah. All right. Bruins power, Bruins benders power rankings for this week in a new entry. Hey, the red hot Edmonton Oilers are just that nine. Oh, and one in the last 10, they won five straight. And on Twitter, a lot of debate about who's been the better team, Edmonton or Boston uh, and not sleeping on Edmonton. The only thing about Edmonton that I don't love is the fact that in, when push comes to shove, I don't think they'll be able to play the defensive game that the Bruins do. I I would agree with that. I would agree with yeah. that. I think the, the Bruins, I mean, they did get uh, Matty Salcom from, from Nashville, uh, and he certainly helped them a, a lot. Sure. But yeah. uh, I don't think they have the goaltending, and I don't think they have the, the defense that, that can hold up uh, in the playoffs and there's some, there's some pretty good offensive teams in the Western conference, you know, mm-hmm. with the likes of Colorado and Dallas and, and, uh, even Minnesota. So, uh, it, it's not going to be an easy and Vegas too, I guess, to a, to a degree, sure. uh, but right. it's not going to, it's not going to be an easy walk for, for Edmonton to get out of that Western conference. So, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how they can do come, come playoff time. Cause you know, obviously McDavid is a game breaker and, and dry sidle, but, uh, you know, when, when the playoffs, a lot of their damage is done on the power play. Uh, yeah. and, and when, when that, uh, kind of dries up a little bit more come playoff time, you know, can they still, um, score goals and, and keep the puck out of their own net enough to, uh, to, to win all the way through. Yeah. Ryan Nugent Hopkins won't be quite the player without his 50 power play points. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, playoffs. Hey, funny you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche. They're number six. 
this week at eight, two and O in their last 10 and coming on strong and a dangerous lower seated team. Yeah. I would not the, want to face them. If I was one of the top no, teams, no, no. I, would, I wouldn't want any part of them because uh, no. they are getting, getting a little healthier and, and starting to, to click now uh, like everybody thought they would, you know, all year long. Yeah, that's a team that Edmonton don't doesn't want to face. I know that for for damn sure. Uh, number five, Toronto, six three and one in their last ten. Number four, the New Jersey Devils have one hundred and six points. Uh, number three is Vegas, uh, six two and two in their last ten. Ka- Carolina has won three in a row. They are second, and then number one again, Boston for several weeks in a row, sixty twelve and five, one hundred twenty five points. They've won three in a row, and they are a plus. 120 it's just absurd that's insane just, and i it, guess the, the the discrepancy between first and last is the highest in nhl history because i think it's the ducks who are like one minus 115 or so or, yeah something like that yeah it's like a enormous discrepancy between first and last Incredible. unbelievable yeah unbelievable all right so here's some teams that are unbelievably bad (laughs) (laughs) coming in coming in at number 30 uh the arizona uh coyotes they've lost eight in a row they're trying like hell to uh to win this uh bedard tank of palooza um Number 31, Anaheim. They've lost eight in a row as well. They're in a dog fight <laughs> with Arizona. Just just losing on top of losing on top of losing. Trying to uh trying to win that uh Bedard Tank Palooza. And then uh number thirty two, the worst team in the league. Yo, Montreal Canadiens have lost four in a row, and they are ten points out of last. So they're trying to sneak in there. They're trying to sneak like, in there. I feel like we have we have willed them to be bad this year by having by continuing to put them into this Tankapalooza bottom three, well, last place, because we never will take them out of it. I feel like we, the karma and the, you know, the whatever the spiritual thing we have. Juju, to, yeah. Is really, is really causing them to, to slide all the way down to 10 points from last. Are we helping them get Bedard? Are we Ooh. are we making you a mistake there? We are, but as we talked about last week, we we actually wouldn't mind it for for the purposes of the rivalry. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would one hundred percent re-energize Ooh. the rivalry uh, mm-hmm. because those fans would be berserk up there. They would be oh, nuts. Sure. They already are nuts, but yeah. they would be just beside themselves with with j- joy and glee and smoking <laughs> cigarettes all over the place <laughs> and and wee weeing everybody and ole ole oleing everybody mm-hmm. and it would be. It would be fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's one of those be careful what you wish for things because he could torment the Bruins for years and years to come. But I kind of want to see it. I kind of want to see it. I kind of want that rivalry. I, I kind of want that back. I kind of yeah. need it. I need to hate on uh, the Montreal Canadiens again like I used to back in the day. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be good to to have a little bit of you know. There's something missing when you miss that that anxiety playing them. Yeah, know, stress. Mm-hmm. Like the, the it's great when they beat them. So, but you miss that if you don't have that little stress uh, for them being really really good. So I hope uh, I kind of hope Pajar does go there, and I don't want him to go to Arizona or Anaheim no. or somewhere. I'll never see him play. Like it's just I don't think it's great for the league either. Um, all right, prospect spotlight. This week is Don's Lachmelis. 
And he is headed to UMass Amherst next season after a great year with Lulea in Sweden, where he had 25 goals, 34 assists for 59 points in just 44 games and a plus 28. He is a center. He was a fourth-round pick in 2022, just 19 years old. And it looks like with Poitras and him, you really hit on a couple of centers there, it might seem. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the sound of this. I think UMass does a great job uh, producing NHL talent, obviously. They've had mm-hmm. some really good players come through there, uh, most notably uh, Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, you know, not a, not no slouch there. So, uh, right. yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, this is really good for the Bruins, and hopefully he can develop into a center prospect because they desperately need some. So, uh, you know, if they can hit on even one of Poitras and Lock Mellis, that would be fantastic. Right. I mean, we're probably, you know, three years away, four years away sure. from Lock Mellis or Poitras. Uh, but, um, you know, they can be, uh, they, they maybe they'll be right there. And we can see Lock Mellis play in Hockey East, which is good. It'll be nearby and we mm-hmm. can see him and see how he's doing. Uh, weekend ahead for the Bruins on April the 6th. It'll be the Toronto Maple Leafs, April the 8th versus the Devils at home. And then April the 9th, another back-to-back on a weekend at the Flyers. April 11th versus the Caps at home. And then on April 13th will be the regular season finale at the Montreal Canadiens. Hopefully they won't be taking any cheap shots at players. I would just throw the entire AHL team uh, right at the Montreal Canadiens that night. Uh, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Download the Inside the Rink app. We are on TikTok as well. Hey, and subscribe to the Inside the Rink YouTube page as our episodes will be there in their entirety and also some some shorties and some other uh, video content on the Inside the Rink YouTube page. Please rate and review on Apple and subscribe and follow on the podcast platform. Sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get your $200 of bonus bets. And that'll do it for this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.